Welcome to the Conversation Cabin, where we delve into the darkest depths of the unknown. Prepare to journey with us as we unearth the most horrifying mysteries of our world. We'll confront the paranormal, where the supernatural becomes a reality. We'll encounter cryptids, where the line between myth and reality blurs into a nightmare. We'll investigate UFOs and alien abductions where the fear of the unknown meets the terror of the extraterrestrial. We'll explore true crime, conspiracy theories in the darkest corners of the human mind. So join us, if you dare, in the conversation cabin where the strange and the unexplained come to life in a bone-chilling reality. Explore your strange. Hey listeners, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to insert a quick disclaimer. Today's story includes graphic depictions of violence, and as always, we will be discussing some pretty spooky topics. As such, listeners' discretion is advised. Thank you for your understanding, and without further ado, Let's get into today's episode. If there is one thing that we can say for certain, it's that New England has no shortage when it comes to bed and breakfasts. In fact, if you were to search the term New England bed and breakfast through your favorite search engine, you would be provided with nearly 4,000 different hotel listings. I know. When you put it that way, it seems that the sheer number of options would overwhelm even the most competent of vacation planners. But I can assure you that only a select few stand out among the rest. Take, for instance, the Inn at 230 2nd Street in Fall River, Massachusetts. With over 1,000 five-star reviews, this hotel is one of the most popular in all of New England. And considering everything that this boarding house has to offer, it really is no wonder why. For starters, the inn is conveniently located just one block from Main Street, granting its guests ease of access to this historic city's most notable sites. Not to mention, the hotel itself offers a variety of tours, as well as breakfast every morning. And as an added bonus, the rooms are pretty reasonable in terms of price. Okay, I will level with you. The start of today's episode is reading like an ad for this hotel. But you have to admit, you kind of want to book a room, don't you? Well, what if I tell you, this quaint and charming inn harbors a rather grim and haunted history, one that I can all but guarantee you have heard of. Would you let that stop you from staying in one of Massachusetts' most prestigious bed and breakfasts? Or would you prefer accommodations that offer a bit more cheer. I'll tell you what, I will give you all the grisly details, and once you have heard the story in its entirety, you can tell me what you decide. I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned.
If you didn't know any better, the Lizzie Borden House of Fall River, Massachusetts, would likely seem like an ordinary B&B. From the outside looking in, this historic building can only be described as quaint and cozy, with a certain charm that's only found in the heart of New England. Back in the 19th century, the inn itself functioned as the home for one of Fall River's most prominent families, and as such, the unsuspecting guest would likely feel a warming sense of rustic simplicity upon walking through the front door. Of course, the hotel's old-fashioned ambiance is no mere accident. In fact, the inn's current owners, Donald Woods and Leanne Wilbur, have worked tirelessly to restore the building to its original grandeur. The building's exterior, designed with hints of Greek revivalism, has recently seen restorations to its original siding. And while they are often described as being somewhat drab, the structure's original olive and black hues fit well into this B&B's looming atmosphere. Not to mention, the 14 rooms that comprise this boarding house pay their own respects to the Victorian era. Between the walnut wainscoting, coffered ceilings, and ornate mantelpieces, it's strange to think that the Lizzie Borden house has ever been anything other than a luxury inn. But as I said in the beginning, this bed and breakfast has a grim and haunted history. And as such, there are a few spirited guests that are said to haunt these halls. In fact, paranormal activity is quite common throughout the hotel, with countless guests reporting their own bizarre experiences year after year. Or so their official website claims. But I am getting a bit ahead of myself, as the ghosts are only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this particular haunt. So before we dive any deeper into the hauntings that this B&B is famed for, it's only fitting that we first discuss the grim events that gave the Lizzie Borden House its name. It's funny, in a macabre sort of sense, the way that our society tends to conjure up nursery rhymes. I mean, they always seem to revolve around incredibly dark events in human history. Ring Around the Rosie, for example, is a song that we teach to children who are unknowingly singing about the Black Plague. Then there's the story of Jack and Jill, who went up the hill only for the two of them to come crashing down. Sure, on the surface, the tale seems like innocent nonsense, but apparently the rhyme is a reference to the beheading of Marie Antoinette. And then in this case, there is one particular nursery rhyme that comes to mind. In fact, it's been stuck in my head ever since I started research for this week's topic. Now, I'm sure you've all heard the verses. Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. I, like many of us, distinctly remember chanting these words during recess when I was in grade school. And while it was unbeknownst to us at the time, it's worth mentioning that these lines are in reference to an incredibly dark event that turned the town of Fall River on its head in August of 1892. The morning of August 4th began like any other for the Borden family of Fall River, Massachusetts. By 6.15 a.m., 
Bridget Sullivan, who worked as the family's maid, was already up making breakfast, while her employers puttered through their morning routines. She was eventually joined by Andrew Borden, the patriarch of this prominent New England family, who was finally feeling back to his usual self. Apparently, in the days prior, he and the majority of the Borden household had been suffering from a bout of severe food poisoning, or so Dr. Bowen, the family's physician, had diagnosed. Now Andrew Borden, on the other hand, wasn't so sure that was the case, as he had been under the distinct impression that he and his family had been poisoned. In fact, every single member of the Borden household, aside from his youngest daughter Lizzie, had contracted this sudden and acute illness. But even still, that morning Andrew was feeling much better, so he awoke early, handled some daily chores, then headed to the kitchen for a quick breakfast. He was joined by his wife Abby and his brother-in-law John, while Lizzie remained asleep upstairs. It was a peaceful and quiet morning, during which the Bordens enjoyed the pleasantries of polite conversation exchanged over a simple morning meal. Then, when it was over, Andrew left for work, blissfully unaware that by the time he returned, Abby would be dead. Although it may not seem like it on the surface, the Borden family had a somewhat troubled relationship. You see, Andrew's first wife, Sarah Moores, died from spinal disease in 1863, making Andrew a widower and the single father of their two daughters, Lizzie and Emma. Now, Andrew's youngest daughter, Lizzie, was a mere toddler at the time of Sarah's passing, which may have been why he remarried rather quickly tying the knot with one Abby Gray just two years later. In the beginning, Abby got along well with her new stepdaughters, but as they grew older and transitioned into adulthood, Emma and Lizzie began to harbor resentment toward their father's bride. In fact, some have said that Lizzie hated the woman. She even condescendingly referred to her stepmother exclusively as Mrs. Borden, instead of calling her mother Abby, or any other term of endearment for that matter. Not to mention, both Lizzie and Emma may have felt financially threatened by Abby. You see, along with being a stakeholder in several Fall River corporations, Andrew Borden was the president of Union Savings Bank, and as such, the Bordens were very comfortable in terms of their finances. Now this would all be fine and well, if it wasn't for one minor detail. Specifically, the matter of inheritance became a point of tension for Abby and her stepdaughters. Because as his wife, if anything ever happened to Andrew Borden, Abby would receive a small fortune from his will. A fortune, mind you, that would have otherwise been inherited by none other than Emma and Lizzie Borden. So, in light of these extenuating circumstances, Let's continue with the chain of events that occurred after Andrew Borden left for work on the morning in question. It was at this point that Abby headed upstairs to make up the guest bedroom, after it had hosted 
Lizzie and Emma's uncle, John Moores, the night before. Meanwhile, Lizzie had finally stirred from her slumber and headed downstairs at around 8.30 a.m. Now, I should probably mention that Emma was currently away from home on vacation, so Lizzie was the last of the Bordens to join Bridget for breakfast. The maid served Lizzie her meal, then stepped outside to begin washing the house's windows, a chore that Abby had assigned to her before heading upstairs. Back inside, Lizzie was finishing up her breakfast and had supposedly adjourned to the dining room where she was going to iron her flannel handkerchiefs. Now Lizzie later testified that she thought she had been alone in the house, as Abby had received a telegram that called her to visit an ailing friend. But as we will later see, Lizzie's assumptions ultimately ended up being false, because Abby Borden was still upstairs in the guest bedroom, laying in a pool of her own blood. Before we dive any deeper into this insidious story, I feel the need to first insert a quick disclaimer. You see, the sequence of events surrounding this tale seem to vary depending on the source, a fact that is likely due to Lizzie Borden's conflicting accounts. To elaborate, Lizzie was questioned on a myriad of occasions in the days following this event, and on every one of those occasions, her story would change by the minute, leading many to believe that Lizzie Borden was responsible for the events that had transpired. As always, I will let you form your own opinions regarding where the guilt truly lies, and in turn, I will try my best to tell you her convoluted story as accurately as possible. So, let's once again focus our lens on the morning of August 4th, 1892. At approximately 10.20 a.m., Bridget came back inside and began to wash the interior windows. She distinctly remembered hearing muffled laughter coming from upstairs, and it was her impression that this laughter belonged to none other than Lizzie Borden. About 20 minutes later, Andrew returned to the house, where he was greeted by Bridget at the front door. Lizzie had also returned from upstairs, and she followed her father into the dining room, where they began to converse in hushed tones. Now the topic of this whispered discussion is still open to interpretation, but I can only imagine that Bridget Sullivan must have found the exchange to be somewhat odd, or perhaps even suspicious, when considering the interaction in hindsight. But in spite of this, Andrew Borden eventually excused himself and headed upstairs, only to return a few minutes later, seemingly unfazed. He wasn't in hysterics, he didn't run from the house screaming for help. He simply walked into the sitting room and sat down on the couch with intentions of resting his eyes. It was there, in the comfort of his own home, that Andrew Borden slowly drifted off into a midday slumber. Bridget Sullivan was also resting, up in her stuffy attic bedroom. And that's when the screaming began. Someone's killed father! Someone's killed father! Bridget heard Lizzie's crying from three floors above, and although she still felt queasy after the supposed food poisoning incident, 
The maid scrambled to her feet and raced down the stairs to Lizzie's aid. The scene that Bridget discovered was a waking nightmare. Andrew Borden was lying slumped over on the couch. Evidently, he had been attacked in his sleep by an axe-wielding murderer. His youngest daughter stood by helplessly, screaming at Bridget to get a doctor. And his wife, well, she was nowhere to be seen. That afternoon passed by in a blur for the remaining members of the Borden family. Bridget fled from the residence in search of a doctor, although she was likely well aware that there was nothing any physician could do. Meanwhile, the Borden's neighbors, who were growing increasingly aware of the ongoing commotion, sent for the authorities. And from there, it wasn't long before the body of Mrs. Abby Borden was discovered in the upstairs guest room. Now, the days that followed were likely just as fleeting. Lizzie had grown somewhat catatonic, and if I'm being honest, more than a little nonchalant. Some argued that she was being downright insensitive, even opting out of wearing traditional morning attire to her own parents' funeral, which was held just two days after the vicious attack. Not to mention, her story was constantly changing, making it nearly impossible for investigators to pin down a concrete timeline of these violent crimes. Now, it is possible that Lizzie's stoicism may have been her mechanism of coping with an extremely traumatic event, or perhaps it was a suppressed admission of guilt, which is exactly what the investigators argued when Lizzie was arrested on August 11, 1892. So, it would seem that this merciless killer was finally found, and the citizens of Fall River, Massachusetts could rest easy knowing that justice would eventually be served. Or, at least, so they thought. But after a grueling 12-day trial, in June of the following year, Lizzie Borden was acquitted for the murder of her parents, and in the end, she walked free. So, there lies the question. Was Lizzie Borden truly innocent, or could it be that she got away with murder? Well, as you likely guessed, we may never find the answers to those questions, because as we all know by now, this haunting tale is said to be the most infamous unsolved murder in Fall River's history. And if you want my opinion, it is for this exact reason that the souls of Andrew and Abby Borden never found peace. All things considered, it's no wonder why the renowned Lizzie Borden house is said to be haunted. And to the delight of countless paranormal enthusiasts who visit this haunt year after year, the inn's resident spirits aren't shy by any means. So, if you are planning your own trip out to Fall River in the hopes of having a paranormal thrill, you would be wise to listen closely. Because before we end today's episode, I would like to take you on a ghost tour of this charmingly macabre bed and breakfast. And what a better place to start than the downstairs sitting room. This first stop is just one of several common areas designated for hotel guests, 
which means that those who are brave enough can sit in the very spot that Andrew Borden's body was discovered. Oh, and to add a chilling twist, on an already eerie prospect, you should know that many guests have reported seeing shadow figures lurking about the space. Now don't just take my word for it, because as it turns out, one such entity was caught on camera in November of 2022. The photo, which was captured by Stephanie Nail of New Jersey, documented a large black mass looming next to the couch in the sitting room. According to Stephanie's accounts, she and her friends had apparently been calling out to Andrew Borden at the precise moment that this photo was taken. And as it would seem, he came to their beck and call. Of course, I will share the photo in this episode's show notes at hauntscast.com, so you can go check it out for yourself. But in the meantime, let's move on to our second stop, the dining room. Although it may not seem like it upon first glance, the dining room is likely one of the most active rooms in the entire house. Not unlike the sitting room, guests sometimes report encountering shadow figures in this space, but the vast majority of claims cite more physical disturbances. The most common report I found were the stories of the dining room lights turning off on otherwise unsuspecting guests. Then, on one occasion, a tour group had the pleasure of watching a closet door slowly open, seemingly without cause. And then, of course, there are the claims of inanimate objects moving about the room as if being carried by a spirit who is still muddling through their daily routine. Perhaps it's the spirit of Bridget Sullivan cleaning up after breakfast, or maybe it's the ghost of Miss Lizzie Borden, once again preparing to iron her handkerchiefs. Now let's move along to the second story, where one bedroom in specific is highly sought after by the inn's braver guest. But I should warn you that this stop is not for the faint of heart. The Moore's Room, or the Murder Room, depending on who you ask, is of course known for its paranormal activity. In fact, the official Lizzie Borden House website credits the Morris Room as being the most haunted in the entire hotel. Given that this was the site of Abby Borden's grisly murder, the atmosphere of the Morris Room is suitably heavy. And for those of you who wish to stay in this room, well, you are almost guaranteed to have some sort of paranormal experience. Many guests report hearing strange noises while trying and failing to sleep in this room at night. And if that wasn't chilling enough, you should know that the spirit who haunts this room has the tendency to touch their guest with a warm pair of disembodied hands. Now that might be enough to send many guests screaming from the hotel, but in my opinion, the most foreboding activity manifests just outside the Moore's room where a very different ghost story has taken shape. Over the years, countless guests have complained of hearing children running up and down the stairs at night. However, when they bring these concerns to hotel staff, they are often told that no children are staying in the building, and that the noises they heard were likely more paranormal in nature. So it would seem that Andrew and Abby Borden are not the only spirits haunting this site. Because, according to legend at least, the spirited Lizzie Borden house may also be cursed 
by the children of the well. But that, dear listeners, may just be a story for another time. In June of 1893, just as Lizzie Borden's trial was coming to a close, a small hatchet was found on the roof of a barn near the Borden residence. The hatchet was rusted and corroded after being subjected to months of varying weather conditions. But scraping away the rusting exterior revealed a newly sharpened blade. So what was this brand new hatchet doing on the roof of an otherwise ordinary barn? Who had put it there, and why hadn't they retrieved it? Well, to this day, many believe that this was the very hatchet wielded during those vicious slayings. But even this grim discovery couldn't shed any light onto those dark events. So there you have it, the cold ending to an even colder story of a double murder that remains unsolved. In fact, even though it has been over a hundred years The bed and breakfast that now sits at this site is still unraveling the haunting mystery. And as for their guest, well, let's just say that many of us are dying to get in. Which, of course, brings me back to the question that I asked at the beginning of the episode. Would this harrowing story stop you from staying in one of the most prestigious inns in all of New England? Or is this legend too ominous for even the most ambitious of us. Well, are you brave enough? This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you've been enjoying the show so far, I would greatly appreciate it if you could give it a follow or leave a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show really helps us reach more listeners each week. Also, if you are interested in learning more about today's topic, I highly suggest checking out the show notes section on the Haunts website at hauntscast.com. This is where I link all of my sources and share any visual content that may be referenced during the show. Finally, if you would like to receive sneak peeks or updates about the show, make sure to sign up for our email list on the Haunts website or follow us on social media at Hauntscast. Thank you for listening, and until next time, happy haunting.